Hi, my name is Dan, and in this world, I'm a lot of things. A father, a son, a brother, a talk radio host. But one thing that I'm definitely not is a Star Trek fan. However, my brother Joey... That's me. He is a Star Trek fan, but only the original series. Live long and prosper. He believes that if I sat down and watched the original series, that maybe, just maybe, I could become a fan too. There's such great writing. How could you not? So for the next 79 episodes of this podcast, that's what I'll be doing. Watching every episode of the original series and coming here to discuss it after each one. So join me each week as I go through all 79 original Star Trek episodes. This is Attempting Trek. And welcome back to another edition of Attempting Trek. My name is Dan. I am the one attempting Trek. And as always, I am joined by super fan, not quite Trekkie, but super fan Joey. What's going on today, Joey? Hey, what's going on, Radio Dan? I am excited. Uh, you're <laughs> you're excited for this one because uh, we are we're changing the formula a little bit for this one. Yes. Okay, so today, Joey, what episode are we going over? We are going to discuss Space Seed. Okay, now I know right now all of the hardcore Trekkies who listen to this show are probably aware that this episode is out of order from the order that we've been going in. This one is about 10 episodes ahead from where we are, somewhere around there? Right around there. Yeah. Okay, so the reason that we are jumping ahead, listeners, is because all across the country there was a 35th anniversary showing of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And so we wanted to to kind of join in with this one. And so this is going to be a sort of our own two-part podcast in which we discuss Space Seed. And then immediately after, our next episode will be about the... 35th anniversary director's cut of Wrath of Khan. How exciting does that sound? Oh man, this is this is great. It's a it's a cool idea. It kind of um, kind of messes with our timeline, perhaps, but I think it's uh, it adds some something kind of fun to what we're doing. I, I will tell you what, Joey. This is the most excited I've been doing this podcast. Is the, really yes, this idea that we're doing here is really cool. I'm I I, I have not seen. Wrath of Khan. I mean, I've watched it in the past, but I have not seen the version that's going around. I will see it in about a week or so, because that's when it's going to be in my area. And I'm looking forward to doing that show. Like that's gonna be Excellent. A, that's gonna be a great time. All right. So before we begin discussing and breaking down all of the all of the excitement of Space Seed, is there anything that you wanna touch on? Anything you need to hit from last week? Well, I think we should just remind uh, the fans um, about the end goal here. Oh. I think that that's something you should do. Of course, that's right. So the, the, uh, in case you are a new listener or perhaps you've forgotten, the goal is to uh, – there is a point system in which I am attempting to become a Star Trek fan. Well, I, I, I suppose I'm attempting it. I don't know. I guess I am. And I assign points to every episode that we watch. Not and enough. I <laughs> I assign uh, kind of arbitrarily points to every episode that we watch. The goal is one hundred thousand points, and Ridiculous. right now we are at um, seventeen twenty is where we're at on points. right. 
after we just got a big 300 points from the last episodes that we reviewed, which was The Menagerie. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. You liked that one. Um, I liked the first half of The Menagerie. I did not right. care to rewatch The Cage so much, but uh, Rogue Spock was something that I was totally down with, and I kind of wish we had uh, a little more of that story, or, or maybe that was just fleshed out in a, in a different way other than sitting back and rewatching The Cage. But uh, I, I, I get it, because when it was done, people hadn't seen The Cage, so I understand why. Why it's appreciated. Right. In fact, right. just, so, just so we're clear, I'm, I'm locking in my points right now as we speak for Space Seed. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, okay, let's just uh, talk about the Menagerie again really quickly. Um, something that I didn't get into our show uh, from that podcast, a really long one, by the way, that we did, um, was uh, a pretty interesting uh, memo. That okay. Gene Roddenberry wrote to Bob Justman, one of the one of the main producers of the series. Okay, lay it on me. Now remember that the Menagerie was uh, considered to be an envelope, right? There was a, that was the that was the court martial storyline that sort of wrapped around the cage. Yes, right. That's uh, that's how they 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 called that. They called it the, the envelope. So, anyways, Gene Roddenberry, I think he's trying to be uh, humorous, and 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 it succeeds. Uh, but this is dated October 7th, 1966, and here's the memo. As indication of my vast and sincere regard for you, I leave behind while I am on vacation in the high desert some 50 or 60 pages of sheer genius. Read and weep as did Alexander when he beheld the glories of Egypt. Humbly, Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> <laughs> That's – wait, I'm sorry. That's his memo regarding – the menagerie? Well, his his writing of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay then. Yes, yes. Gene Roddenberry is a phenomenal writer. There's just no uh, there's there's just no way around that. He's also got a uh, phenomenally large ego. Ah, uh, perhaps you may be true. You may be hitting on something there. Yes, I may be true. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, um, okay, so but moving ahead now, um, as we just before we really start breaking down the show. Yep. This episode that we are doing today is directed by Mark Daniels, and the reason that that's interesting to you is mm-hmm. because. He did uh, five or six episodes of the series, something like that, and one of the ones that he did was The Menagerie. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Well, he he was very good on the envelope, so bring him back. Got it. Yes, yes. And they always like him because they think he does a great great job in helping to keep uh, production costs low um, and, and sort of like being aware of, of some of those other things instead of just sort of like being an artiste kind of director. He mm-hmm. sort of gets it is what they feel like. He's more realistic. Okay, got it. So that that really is it. Um, so now we're talking about uh, Space Seed, and uh, this aired February sixteenth, nineteen sixty-seven, which was about uh, what three months. Uh, the Menagerie aired in uh, November, so we're about three months ahead of where we were. I would like to uh, ask you about this. Uh, when the movie came out, The Wrath of Khan came out. It was nineteen eighty-two, right? Yes. So when that when that came out, what was your feeling about this Star Trek movie? Did you have a clue what was going on? I mean, not not actually having seen it, but you saw that there was a movie <laughs> called Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. How did that affect your 
eight-year-old brain or however old you were. Oh, okay. All right. So, I mean, I was aware of, of Star Trek. I was aware of the TV show. I know. Right. Uh, and I'm not sure when it was that I became aware of Wrath of Khan. I don't know that I was aware of it in the th- like as a, as a theatrical release. Maybe I was. I I don't honestly okay. remember. But I, I do remember watching it on television. Uh, does that count? Because that's, that's when I saw it. I saw it on TV. No. No, it doesn't really count. Um, oh. <laughs> I'll tell you about I'll tell you about my experience in 1982 when the trailers start coming out, and I guess I'm about 14 or 15. I did not understand what was going on at that point. You know, like most 14 or 15 year olds, I thought I knew it all, and I did not understand what this movie was supposed to be about. I knew it was Star Trek. I saw Captain Kirk. I saw William Shatner. I saw all the guys that I knew. And uh, Uhura, but I did not understand who this Khan guy was. I didn't know. Huh. So, okay. So, unlike what they maybe they were hoping for some fans, I'm sure plenty of people remembered who Khan was to you. It was was like a mystery. Like, wait a minute. Who? The Wrath of Who? Who is that? Correct. Correct. And, you know, I I probably read some, you know, reviews that explained that this was a sequel to an episode called Space Seed. And I was just really confused by that because I would have thought I would have seen it, but I hadn't. So I was unaware of who this con fellow was and, you know, why he doesn't get along with Shatner and uh, and the boys and the gang. And um, so just before the movie comes out, um, I think it's. It's either WOR or, or it's WPIX, uh, local channels in New York, that decide to play the original episode Space Seat. They played it like in prime time, eight, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, something like that, I think. Uh, okay. And so for me, it was appointment viewing because I had to understand what? Who is this guy? And what? This is this episode of Space of Space Seed, and it kind of felt to me like it was the um, the lost episodes of the Honeymooners or something like that because it was very strange to me. <laughs> okay, so for some reason you hadn't seen this. So when you saw it, what did you think when you saw it? What was your initial reaction to it? I don't remember that, but um, I'm sure I thought it was great because I think it's great. So oh, okay. <laughs> I, I think I, I think I was okay. just shocking. I think I was – yeah, I know, right? I think I was just sort of like uh, immersed in the experience of like, wow, there's a – you know, it's like when the – it's like when that Beatles song came out like 20 years ago, oh, uh, yeah. whenever it was, 25 years ago in the 90s. And yes. uh, you just kind of keep listening. You just keep trying to, I don't know, absorb it somehow. I didn't have an instant reaction that I can recall. I, I like I said, I probably thought it was really neat and it did fit in with everything else. It just seemed weird that here I am watching something that I would have thought didn't exist. And now here it is. That's really it. Did that get you more excited for Wrath of Khan once you understood who he was? After you saw the episode, you saw who he was. You were like, oh, my God. Now I was were you even more excited or what? I had to be, but I honestly don't remember that. Okay. I, I, I really don't. It's too long ago, really, I guess, for me to remember some things like that. But I had to be. Uh, I certainly remember seeing the movie in the theater. Um, you know, that was definitely a must thing for me to do. And I know that I enjoyed it. So, All right. All right. you know, well, there we'll, you go. We'll get to that later. Let's let's get to this right, right now. So there's a couple of things to know that about uh, Space Seed that mm-hmm. I think are interesting. The mm-hmm. character of Khan actually required five costumes and it, that was more than any other guest star in the entire series goodness this meant that yeah this meant that the staff uh was working on that was working on costumes had less time to devote to any one particular costume 
And uh, this is interesting. Ricardo Montalban's athletic physique was such that when his measurements were passed on to them, the staff thought there had been a mistake. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. They were like, there's nobody that could be built like that. So there's different uh, stories about how that information okay. was, was, was transferred. You know, he allegedly, you know, talked to Bill Tice on the phone or somebody like that. And they just thought he had to be kidding. Oh, and then he showed up and he wasn't kidding. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay. This uh, story is written by Kerry uh, Wilbur, or at least the outline is. The idea was invented by him. He's the writer. Uh, this episode got a lot of – garnered a, a fair amount of praise at the time. Entertainment Weekly named it the second best of the series. IGN ranked Species as the fourth best of the entire series. There are multiple references to this episode in future works like, like in the new movies, uh, like the very, very new ones. I didn't know that. I don't watch the new movies, but apparently Khan appears in uh, maybe the last one that came out a couple of years ago. And he's even mentioned, or at least this show is mentioned, in Quantum Leap. No, well, you know what? I I'm not surprised. I am not surprised. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I, I think that Wrath of Khan helped make this episode much more popular and much more. You know, once you get more people aware of something, you have much more. Uh, you have more of a chance for people to appreciate something. I that I, might be true. Yeah, I think so. That's, I'm sure it has to have an impact, mm-hmm. but that's really I got uh, really all I have now for the, the for the pre recap. Let's dive right into the recap. All right, so starting off on the recap, we're starting off where we start off a lot, and that's on the bridge. Everyone's watching the uh, the big screen television, and I, I noticed that you know, you've got your regulars that are all sitting there watching this, except no Sulu again. He's got a very spotty track record, I got to say, for showing up on on episodes. (laughs) I don't know what this is about. I don't know what's going on, but he's not there. And we got some other dude that's there. And I don't know who the other dude is, by the way. Now, they're waiting for some sort of ship to come into view that they know they're about to approach. Uh, Spock mentions that uh, it can't be from Earth, wherever, whatever this thing is that that we're coming into contact with. And then we start hearing some Morse code coming you know uhura picks it up and this proves spock wrong which kirk is highly amused by i thought you said it couldn't possibly be an earth vessel i understand why it always gives you pleasure to see me proven wrong an emotional earth weakness of mine now from here we see all right we've got an old spaceship and and all right so here, here i don't know is this supposed to be the turnabout right away because Kirk identifies the kind of ship it is, and now Spock corrects him. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so good. Yeah. The writing in this episode is so great. Yeah. I love the dialogue all throughout it. Yeah, I, I will tell you, the relationships are much more clearly defined here than Definitely. in any other one that I've seen so far, especially between right. between Kirk and Spock. And maybe the most important fact that we have so far is that we know that the ship is from the 1990s. Holy cow. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, you can't you can't beat the 90s. All right, so the next thing that we learned, this is very important, is that heartbeats are now being detected from this mystery ship from the 1990s that are floating out there. And McCoy uh, informs everyone, hey, there's, I don't know, maybe 60 to 70 people on there based on what I'm hearing. We don't exactly know, but it's in that range. 
soon, we've now identified the mystery ship. It's the SS Botany Bay. Ooh. Okay, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't know what that. Okay, yeah, exactly. I, if you wooed, if anybody was watching this episode and you wooed at that point, you are much smarter than I am. So, well, you do know that there that this does harken back to true history, right? Oh, I guess I, I learned that later on, but I did not oh, okay. know that at the time. They mentioned it in the episode, and then okay. I saw it on Wikipedia. So, okay. yes, but I, like I said, I'm not bright enough to know that initially. Now, sure. we also learn you – know, there's a lot of learning that's going on in this one. We learn that in the 1990s, some, uh, some kooky scientists had the, the idea to, to perfect humans through some sort of genetic tomfoolery, and maybe it didn't go as, as, as good as planned. Who could say? Kirk then decides, all right, we've now got a hold of the Botany Bay. Let's get a team to go over there. So we're going to get – you know, some well. Let's see. Well, we're going to check out a, an, an old ship. So, somebody who knows something about ships, um, that'd be Scotty, right? Uh, maybe there's people over there. So, let's get a doctor. That's Doctor McCoy. And oh, you know what? This ship's from the '90s. Let's get that historian. What's her name? Who's hanging around all the time? Oh, that useless historian. Oh, MacGyver's. Oh, I'll need somebody familiar with the late 20th century Earth. Here's a chance for that historian to do something for a change. What's her name? Uh, MacGyver's? Lieutenant MacGyver. <laughs> he hates her. <laughs> yeah, Kirk brings her up like, oh, this woman who clearly has no purpose on this ship. And sure enough, when we go and we, we cut to MacGyver's <laughs> and she's in her room... Which has all, you know, paintings and some bizarre yeah. statue of a head that's there, whatever it is, like some sort of plastic version of an Easter Island head. I don't know what the hell it is that's in her room, but she's got a bunch of weird crap in her room. And she does seem like, yep, she talks to no one. She sits in there with all her, her, her little trinkets and her paintings. And, uh, yeah, okay, let's, uh, let's get her. She hears the call, you know, report down to beaming, to the beaming deck. Highly amusing is this little moment where McCoy decides to complain that he does not that he doesn't really want to go. He doesn't like being beamed anywhere. He does not. But he gets beamed everywhere. He goes on he every trip. It. But he hates it. I've, I've, he just I've, likes to complain, Danny. I think you probably know people like that. I I, I probably do. I probably yeah. do, but I've, I'm telling you, if this is the 22nd episode, I've seen him. I've, there's probably 22 times that he's been beaming. Every time they go, <laughs> he goes. He, why is he surprised? He's very concerned, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do understand his point about you know having all his particles <laughs> moved apart and then reassembled. I would find that disturbing as well. But nonetheless, you think you'd be. I used think to that it. that's probably uh, while they're also working on the character development of McCoy. I think it's also sort of a clever way to explain the science uh, to the viewers. I think that's uh-huh. behind their 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 beaming. That's uh-huh. what I think. Maybe you know, Junior from Skokie, Illinois, went ahead and sent them a, a letter. How does that the beaming be. work? And then they oh, yeah, okay. really, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. They did get a lot of questions like that through the mailbag. Mm-hmm. I bet you know, maybe not just Junior, just a bunch of people. All right, so right. they they beam aboard the ship, and when we get there, there's a bunch of uh, bunch of people frozen in chambers. It's the kind of thing that you would see on a lot of movies, on a lot of science fiction movies. After this, where you see a ship that's got a bunch of people 
that have been frozen and they're you know they're they're in this the sleep chamber. Now it's sort of like a menagerie, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I suppose it is. Now, is, <laughs> has this been done in, in movies prior to this? I was wondering. Like, does this happen in I don't know uh, Forbidden Planet or anything like that? I, I don't know. Well, I'm not really a science fiction expert of you know in general, so I don't know. I don't know either. Okay. But I would think so. Okay. All right. All right. In either way, I was I was a little impressed. Like, wow, look at that. That's really cool. Uh, we we now know we learn it's a sleeper ship from MacGyver, and we also know from MacGyver that she's immediately in love with one of them based on how she stares at him and how the camera focuses in on her with a bunch of soft lighting and uh, dreamy music while she stares at uh, one of the frozen bodies. Now, listen, I know you're yes. not a big fan of uh-huh. this character, uh-huh. but yeah. this is not MacGyver. This is MacGyver's. I'm sorry. It's not MacGyver? Are you sure? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. If it was MacGyver, you might like her better. I don't know. You're right. I probably would. Right. <laughs> I think everybody probably would. I can't I be the only I, one yeah. who's not a fan of MacGyver's. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, really, how many MacGyvers do we need? MacGyvers. Yep. It sounds like this. It sounds like there's just way too many MacGyvers when you say that. I'm Lieutenant MacGyvers. All right. So, like I said, she's immediately smitten based on the way she's looking at him. Uh, so everyone focuses around the one guy that she's staring at. He starts to die because I don't really know why. Because they turned on the ship. Because Scotty turned on the lights. I, I don't exactly know. Do you know why? All of a sudden. This particular guy starts to die. That's actually a good question. I don't know. Okay, I'm I'm something is malfunctioning. Yeah, but we also know. You know who else doesn't know? Mm -hmm. Scotty. Scotty. Beats me. What's happening? He says, "Beats me. What's happening?" (laughs) (laughs) Yep. All right. So. Good thing we brought you here. <laughs> so, so Kirk does the heroic thing. He breaks the class, and uh, they get him out of there, and somehow they're able to stabilize him. And, uh, so the frozen guy wakes up, and he asks the exact question that you would ask after you've been frozen for a long time. How long? And uh, apparently it's been two centuries. That's what Kirk tells him. Well, let, let me ask right. you this. Do we? Yeah. What year is Star Trek taking place in? Um, I think it's something like twenty two fifty, right around there. Okay, like twenty two fifty. They never say for sure. Okay, but it's something like that. All right. Okay. All right. Just wondering. Okay. So uh, we we now move along, and our frozen guy is allegedly recovering at at a very at amazing rate, and they're bringing all of the other two frozen people onto the ship, and there are seventy two of them that are still alive. Which is a lot of people to uh, to bring on a ship, I would think. Now, Spock, because he's such a killjoy, you know, he's he starts to worry about all kinds of things. Everybody else is like, "Oh my god, I can't wait to learn about '90s fashion and ask, uh, you know, about pop music and learn about the '90s." Meanwhile, you know, uh, Spock is is more concerned that there's no record of the SS Botany Bay anywhere. Now, this is where Kirk points out. Your little bit of history that uh, the Botany Bay was a penal colony in Australia, which by the this is a bad sign immediately. 
<laughs> Especially since we've already had an episode or two regarding penal colonies. Uh, you were correct. You're correct. <laughs> so maybe they're prisoners. Spock now shoots down that idea. He doesn't think so. He doesn't think that Earth at the time would take uh, a, a ship which, while primitive by today's standards, was very advanced at the time, and then just take a bunch of people and shoot it into space. Botany Bay. That was the name of a penal colony on the shores of Australia, wasn't it? They took that name for their vessel. If you're suggesting this was a penal deportation vessel, you've arrived at a totally illogical conclusion. That's a valid point, but I would say that the fact that they've chosen that name for that ship is an indicator of something that's not good. But I like Shatner's, uh, Kirk's response to that. Okay, you don't like my idea. How about yours? Yes. <laughs> yes, correct. That's right, yes. <laughs> Spock needs more facts, by the way, before he can give you a good hypothesis on what's going on here. So uh, more fact-finding will have to be done. Kirk goes to, to visit our new friend on the ship. Uh, McCoy tells him, hey, listen. Now, wait a second. Yeah. You just kind of like glossed over something that I think you 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 found humorous. Okay. Which is that after after Kirk kind of puts Spock, you know, on the spot and says that, then he says, and, and that irritates you, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. Spock is like. Right? Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't have that emotion. I don't know what you're talking right. about. I don't know I'm what that means. I'm not capable of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Kirk's like, okay, I, I'm sorry. Never mind. Because he thinks he won that exchange. Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> so Kirk visits our frozen guy and McCoy lets him know, hey, this guy is genetically engineered and he could probably pick you up with one hand. I'd estimate he could lift us both with one arm. And do all kinds of neat tricks. Now, yeah, McCoy is the one that that really knows that. Now, what's hilarious to me is that MacGyver's with an S comes in immediately and just starts to like swoon over this guy again, just staring at his lifeless body. Just like yeah. she's like, ah, so dreamy, you know. This dreamy <laughs> music that's playing—it's a little funny, and I don't understand. But this is some sort of Star Trek thing where every close-up of of whoever your female actress is, whoever your female guest star is, we are going to put a ton of soft lighting on this lady. Yeah, that's uh, true. Come on. That's true. Yeah. I can't deny that. Okay. can't deny that. Yep. Yeah, because there are moments where it seems like she's in a, she's on another TV show because <laughs> there's a, a close-up of her and then there's a close-up of Kirk and he just looks normal. You know, it's like, right. wait, wait, what's happening here? All right, so. I do love this is where Kirk pulls her into the next room and basically says, hey, listen, lady, I know you're a historian and you're fascinated by by history, but why don't you stop swooning over that guy and do your job? OK, stop looking so damn thirsty. <laughs> it's hilarious. Lieutenant, at any one time, the safety of this entire vessel might depend on the performance of a single crewman aboard and the fact that you find a man. Strangely compelling to you personally. Not personally, Captain. Professionally. It's hilarious. Yeah. And it's and you know what though? He's right. He's, he's right, right, and she admits it, yes. and then he's like, "Okay, thanks for admitting it." Yes. Yes. Uh, Which uh, once again is Kirk making all the right moves with his people. Uh, sure. Okay. Now, 
frozen guy now decides to wake up. And he does exactly what I would do if I've been sleeping for two centuries. He starts doing some sort of, uh, he, well, he's from the 90s, so he starts doing yoga. You know, he starts stretching and, you know, doing whatever, whatever it is that he's doing. He then spots a knife and grabs it. And when McCoy walks in, he grabs his neck, holds the knife to it, starts demanding things. Where am I? But you know what? You know what, Joey? McCoy ain't having any of that. No, he ain't. Good old cranky McCoy. He was already in a mood because he got to beam aboard somewhere. <laughs> and now he's got 72 people he's got to deal with. He's he's had it for the day. So he does not give an inch. I'm. It, this is maybe McCoy's finest moment on the show thus far to me is where there is con- there is i'm sorry frozen guy with his hand and we already know that he's really really strong he can lift kirk up with one hand and he's got a knife in the other and mccoy's not telling him anything you're in bed holding a knife at your doctor's throat answer my question it would be most effective if you would cut the carotid artery just under the left ear Nice. Well, he's telling him something. He's telling him where to, where he can do the most damage. Oh yeah, yeah. Please cut me here. Uh, I, he wants to. <laughs> he, uh, where am I? And he tells him. Uh, I don't know. He basically informs him. You know what you're doing? You're threatening your doctor. And if you're going to kill me, cut this vein over here because that's the one that'll that'll work the fastest. Oh my gosh, Danny! This my this little moment here. I'm mm-hmm. not saying the whole scene, but that that exchange between the two of them. We may never ever see better writing again on the series. It's so I cool. think that was, that dialogue is so compelling. It is it is so legitimately cool. It makes me love McCoy for for this episode. It's and he plays it. DeForest Kelly, D DeForest D. He plays it so well, right? That mm-hmm. role. I mean, that moment. He just he you really are sucked in, aren't you? Mm-hmm. I was sure he was going to tell him, you're on the Enterprise, just relax, yeah. just take it easy. Right. But it's like, no, not backing down to you. I just right. I just saved your life. He didn't even, he didn't even bust it out with, hey, you know what, you're, you're kind of alive because of me and the ship. And, you know, like we're, we're, we're responsible for you still being here. You'd be floating around if we had to come across. He doesn't tell him anything. Let me go. All right. Either cut me or cut my throat. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So now our frozen guy wants to have all his people revived. You know, he's meeting with Kirk and Kirk says, listen, we're going to do that. But we're going to a star base and we're going to send you and all your frozen people all to the star base. We'll wake them up over there and then, you know, we'll find out what to, what to do with you from that point. Now here's where we learn that uh, that our frozen guy is actually a fella named Khan, but Khan's too tired to answer any more questions. Listen, this is this has been a, a very hectic day for me. I already threatened a guy. I, I need to rest. What was the exact date of your liftoff? We know it was sometime in the early 1990s, but I find myself growing fatigued, Doctor. May we continue this questioning at some other time? <laughs> but but before I rest, do you have anything for me to read? Like, say, I don't know, the instructions to the ship? Because I, <laughs> I'd like to know what I've missed over the last 200 years or so. 
And we've seen this before, too. Um, yeah. In where no man has gone before. The same thing. He's he's reading a whole bunch of stuff, right? It's true. That's eventually going to hurt everybody. Yeah. Uh, Kirk lets him know, yes, you can read it. It's on the internet. And gives him a, a, the, the screen. Here you go. Just yeah. access it. Right. Although he does mention that it's on tapes, which is funny. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it's the ship's library. It's it's the ship's library. It's on tapes. I'm choosing to believe it's just the internet. It's just like their intranet. Sure. I like it. Okay. So now we're going to get another Spock and Kirk moment here. So they're they're going to confer about what's going on. Um, and you know what? I'm sorry. I have this note of, of Spock and Kirk conferring, but I, I don't have anything past that. Do you remember what they're talking about here? Um, they're guessing what his age would be like. You know, they're just trying to figure out his backstory. Okay, they're talking about know? yes. All right, so he and uh, we get the explanation about how they, they were geni- these uh, genetically engineered guys took over uh, wherever they a were bunch ba- of, back in 19- a bunch of Captain Americas, yes, a bunch ba- of super soldiers back in 1993. He refers to them as not Captain Americas but Supermen, and that, right. and that there was 80 or 90 of them. Right, and that they were basically a group of Alexanders and Napoleons, guys that not only had a lot of physical power, but had the you know sort of the mindset to to take things over, to to be ruthless. Yeah, that's not very good, by the way. That's not no. a, that's not a good group of guys to have around. Basically, this is the same story as how killer bees got started, right? You know, some scientists went ahead and thought they they could make a better bee, and next mm-hmm. thing you know. They made a nastier bee, and uh, they escape, and now we got killer bees. And so that's really what this story is. It's scientists getting a better, getting getting together, thinking that they can do something better for humanity. And oops, something goes wrong. Something spills in the on the laboratory floor, and next thing you know, you got the Incredible Hulk running around. Wow, that's... I'm sort of mixing up some uh, some stories there, but I think you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, that's fine. I'm I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. All right, so let's go to MacGyver's, who was very busy chatting it up with Khan. And uh, yeah. he he's apparently also has the power of super romance. So, <laughs> and he starts well, at least with her. Well, certainly with her. He's he starts, you know, chatting it up with her and lets her know, listen, lady, I don't I don't know what's going on in this century. But in my century, that hair has, would not be going. You you got to fly. Yeah, that would not fly. You got to change that up. So he gets up and he starts redoing her hair. I'd like some historical information about your ship, its purpose, and... And why do you wear your hair in such an uncomplimentary fashion? It's comfortable. But it's not attractive. Yeah, he does. Yeah. No, no when he's done, it's not really that dramatically different, but... Okay. Also true. But okay. But yeah, listen, he, he, he lets her know that it, what she had prior was not attractive. I like that. This is this is not attractive. Let me go ahead and fix it up for you. <laughs> and it's just in time because we're now we're gonna have a nice fancy dinner. It's it's our it's our dinner with the Superman. So we're gonna have Khan there, and we're going to have uh, basically all of the regulars. Except now they're gonna wear one of their fancy shirts. And Kirk has several like little medals on on his shirt, and uh, McCoy has I think one. I noticed a big difference there. I don't care for the fancy shirts so much, Joey. Just so you I know. know, you've said that before. Yeah, well, the, the, all right. So there's there's other fancy shirts that we've had that I didn't care for. I, I don't care for these either. 
I, okay. I, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be open to the fashion of the of the 23rd century. It's just not sure. working so far. Now, the regular uniforms, the regular shirts, I like those. I like that look. But uh, I don't know. All right. So we see that, and then we see Khan stopping to pick up his date. <laughs> yes. And when he does, well, 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 look at that. Uh, the hair. Yeah. Nice. All right. Yeah. Approving. And you know, he's checking out her, her room with all of her artifacts and he notices all of the other uh, paintings that she has of uh, <laughs> of other past tyrants. And what do you know? What's her Holy newest smokes. painting? What is this? Why, <laughs> it's a painting of me. Isn't yes. this wonderful? Well, see, now, being the fact that he's a Superman, he knows that the time is right for a super smooch. So he puts a big fat <laughs> puts a big fat kiss on her at that moment, and then that's it. That's it. You know, she's just she's just done for. You, you know, she's done for at that point, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Such men dare take what they want, and then they cut to the camera, the the showing her hands going up along his back and shoulders. She's all in, man. <laughs> she is all in. All right, so let's have our nice dinner with uh, with with our Superman con, and. This is where Spock decides, hey, you know what? This is a good time to talk politics and criticize Khan uh, all about the past. You know, everything you guys did was terrible. You guys were terrible people back then. What a bunch of barbarians you guys were. Don't know how good of uh, of an idea this is for a welcoming dinner. What do you think, Joe? I think it's great. I think what we get is mm-hmm. his side of it. We get the other side. You know, so far, what we're getting from the 90s is coming only from the side of the, the kind, compassionate, advanced humans that Kirk and uh, company are, right? Mm-hmm. They're very civilized people. Now we're getting it from his side, and he's he's saying it was their attempt to unify humanity. At least, you know, we're starting to understand that he is not some sort of wild animal necessarily that was conceived just to wreak havoc on humanity. It was more about, at least from his perspective, it's their attempt to try to bring everybody together. Okay. Of course, he'd be the ultimate ruler, but... (laughs) Well, yes, everybody, (laughs) yes. But he is, at least you're getting his side of it. I found that interesting. Somebody has to do it. Somebody's got to rule all these people now that they're getting along, thanks to me. I, I, and yeah. over and over, I'm just you, – you just at least I am. I'm just drawn in by Montalban's performance. <laughs> I know something of those years, remember. I just – you know, this everything he says is so damn interesting. <laughs> so Khan also goes ahead and once he loses a little bit of his, uh, you know, maybe temper, he goes ahead and says, you know what, Kirk? You're, you're pretty smart because you have, oh, yeah. you have Spock here. Provoking me a little bit to get some information out just to see how I handle things while you're just going to sit there and watch. You're going to look for my weaknesses. You're going to try to understand me a little more. Do you think that what he says is accurate? Do you think that's what Kirk was doing? Absolutely. I, I'm not going to say that it's while you sit and watch for weakness, which is what Khan says. Right. But he's definitely studying. He's definitely wanting to see where this is going to lead, and this is a mystery. Khan's background is a mystery. Total. And as Spock is sort of uh, – what's he doing? He's investigating. 
right? This is um, – I mean it's a dinner, but definitely Spock has insatiable curiosity and he wants to learn more about it. So why not sit back and let Spock take the lead and you just sort of watch and see what's what's going to unfold? Mm-hmm. And it works perfectly. But yeah, I, I think what Khan says is 100 percent accurate. Hmm. OK, so now Kirk then provokes Khan a little more and Khan gets a little more uh, dictator like he gets a little more tyrannical. Once that happens, you know what? You know what, fellas? This has been fun, but I think it's time for me to take a nap. You know, he it's as though I've revealed a little too much of myself. I'm going to retreat at this moment. Yeah, so again, another great line in this scene uh, in terms of loving the writing like I do, which is uh, where Khan says, as he's trying to bow out, he says, uh, it has been said that social occasions are only warfare concealed. That's a great line. Oh, it's totally great. (laughs) It's totally great. Yes, it is. This is a social occasion. It has been said that uh, social occasions are only warfare concealed. Yes, yes. But now, as Khan leaves, obviously this dinner has not gone well because I didn't even see any food served. MacGyver's not surprisingly decides to go after him. And this scene scene is kind of amazing. Yeah, it is. Basically, Khan lets her know, listen, lady, I don't like you being such a tease. Either you're in or you're out, okay? I don't know if you're going to like living in our time. Then I'll have to remold it to my liking. Please don't. Go. Or stay. But do it because it is what you wish to do. It's kind of amazing. He he then makes her, like, you're going to uh, pledge your loyalty to me in my plan. To overthrow the ship. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's a total dun, dun, dun moment. And it's also totally what I think, if you're watching this, you can kind of see that coming. You can kind of see that that's where this guy is, is going to be heading. That he's going to want to take over. Because he's a tyrant. That's what he does. He takes over things. He rules things. Like that's It's almost you know just built into his DNA. Yeah, but I just got to tell you, I mean, this scene is so compelling with how he turns her around. If, you know, she was like 98% of the way there. Yes. And like the last the last 2% was going to be the toughest maybe to get, and he just he's masterful at it. And the scene is so great. It's so well acted. She is annoying, she's hateable, but you know, everything he says is great. And he's like, "No, now you've got to ask me to stay." Yeah. <laughs> Because she's trying to leave, right? Oh, man. Oh, yeah, I, then please I, go. And then when she yes. says that she'll stay, it's, okay. oh, you're going to stay. Well, how many of minutes were you going to, are you going to grant me? You know, he's, right. he's, he's, he has got it where, yeah, you're right. He probably did have her 98%. And those last two, that last 2% that he really needed, he was just going to push it right out of her. I'm going to I'm That's gonna, what he had to I'm do. Gonna yeah. get those. I'm going to get you to be 100% in my camp because I need you because I'm going to do something where I need help and I need it from you, lady. Okay. Right, right. And so, you know, this uh, this dialogue where he says, uh, go or stay, but do it because it is what you wish to do. 
Now that's a line that I use all the time in my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really think you want to be revealing that you're quoting Khan in your marriage. That's probably not the best idea. Okay. It's it's like, you know, whenever like, you know, she's leaving or whatever, she's going to go somewhere, I say something like that. All right, that's that's a good opportunity to to use it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, all right, so now it's time for a meeting. We're going to have uh, all of our, our main fellas hanging out, and we're going to discuss Khan. That's what we're going to do. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're, what we're really going to do is we're going to discuss what we know so far. And what we know so far, what we've learned, is that uh, from 1992 to 1996, this Khan fella ruled a, over a quarter of the world. A quarter of the world was ruled by this guy. That's yep. a that's a good chunk of the planet that this guy was in charge of. And What's else, what else is interesting is that they know him. They, now they know him. Yes. You know, Kirk says that he was the best of the tyrants. Oh, yes. Scotty uh, pl- reveals that he admires this guy. This was my favorite yeah. tyrant. If we're talking tyrants, this is my favorite right. one. There's also a, a really funny moment. With Spock, yeah. in which Spock yeah. does – he doesn't approve. Wait a minute. I don't understand. This guy was terrible. He was a tyrant. He was a bad guy. All tyrants are bad guys. How on earth can you like this guy? And they all together laugh at him. This romanticism about a ruthless dictator is – But Spock, we humans have a streak of barbarism in us. Appalling, but there, nevertheless. There were no massacres under his rule. And as little freedom. No wars until he was attacked. Gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) They laugh at his inability to be human. Yes, they do. They're like, oh, my God, you just don't get it. And I don't know if you ever will. It's this is this is the difference between humans and Vulcans. Ha 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 ha. We all have this great laugh. It's kind of. Yes. I don't know. It's kind of amusing. It is. It is. But, you know, we are seeing fully formed Spock here. Right. Oh yeah, I would. I I would think so. We definitely skipped over some important episodes that are going to lead to his development, Mm -hmm. and that there's there's one in particular that's really going to be great for us to watch. But this is it. I mean, everything that you think you sort of know about Spock, it's here. Okay. All right. So Kirk meets with Khan, and uh, now, now we're not playing around because we know what a bad dude Khan was back in the day. So we're we're gonna yep. we're gonna have the door locked and we're gonna put a guard on the other side of it. Khan asks Which him, always works, right? Oh yeah. it always work? That's always such a great idea. Yes, correct. <laughs> Instead of putting him in whatever space jail happens to be on the ship, you know what? We're gonna leave you in your quarters. We're gonna put some 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 red shirt uh, is gonna stand in front of it. <laughs> it's gonna we're all very safe now. <laughs> well now uh, keep in mind at least they put a red shirt on Khan. <laughs> yes. Are they, oh, that's true. They did. That's right. He is wearing yeah, one. Trying to weaken him. That's right. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> they have this great conversation, and uh, this is a great moment for Khan where he talks about how disappointed he is and how how little oh, man yeah. has advanced over time. And uh, yeah, yeah, and he he lets Kirk know. Yeah, you know you what? You are quite honestly inferior. Yeah, you mentally, got- physically. In, in, yeah. in every way, you guys are inferior. And you know what? Me and, and my crew, me and my people, we're going to do really well in this time. 
If, yeah. If if this is what humanity is, two hundred years in the future, yeah, I think I'm going to like it around here. I think I'm I think gonna... we're going to rule here just like we did in the nineties. Oh yes. I am surprised how little improvement there has been in human evolution. Oh, there has been technical advancement, but uh, how little man himself has changed. Yes, it appears we will do well in your century, Captain. Oh, yes. And, all right, that's enough. So Kirk decides to leave. And it, this is where Khan, I, I guess I didn't know how the super strength comes, but apparently it's from the yoga. So he does a little <laughs> bit of the yoga, and then he just rips that door open. He just puts his fingers in there, and and now even better than ripping the door open is what he does to the guard. He basically oh, yeah. he swats him like a fly. He just he sure does. Yeah, it's it's great. He hits that guy. That guy goes flying. And credit to that guy for doing that that jump away where he gets hit and throws himself really far you know yeah it was pretty good yeah, there were no wires in that yeah it looks it, it looks really good it does yeah. look like he came out and just smacked him and uh, oh, off yeah. he flew <laughs> now macgyvers is helping him take over the transporter room and the next thing you know i don't know where it all came from but the next thing you know there's a bunch of dudes all hanging around in matching red jumpsuits there's a woman there. Uh, okay, that's fine. There's there's, there's a, bu- a couple of women. Actually. There's a bunch of dudes and a couple of ladies all in matching red jumpsuits because this. Was- well, the women are not wearing the red jumpsuits, but yes, the men are. All right. Well, this was apparently the look back in the day. Um, I don't know what to think of this look. I remember the 1990s. I don't remember anyone dressing like that. You know, if they're from the 90s, where's, you know, the Z Cavaricis? That's what I want to know. Well, I think it's Sinbad might have worn that outfit. (laughs) I don't think Sinbad would have worn that. I think he would have. I don't. Sinbad would have had much more colors. There would have been more designs and patterns on that. That's probably true. And maybe a hat. Yes. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So meanwhile, over on the bridge, uh, Kirk gets the message. Hey, guess what? Khan has escaped. And now, oh my God! Wait a minute—the super strong tyrant is is loose on the ship once again. So a bad guy is loose on the ship, so we gotta check the vitals. And basically, what we learn in short order is that Khan has control of everything. He's got control of basically the entire ship. And oh yeah, by the way, um, uh, the air has been cut off to the bridge. That's a problem. That's a big problem. Now, this is the first time that Kirk ming- mentions this. Hey, we need to flood the ship with uh, some sort of neural gas. It's the right. it, it's the intruder defense system. Have, has that been mentioned prior to this episode? Do you know? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, okay, because it didn't sound familiar to me, but it's like, oh, that's interesting that they have such a thing. But that's yeah. been – unfortunately, that's been disabled. And by the way, Kirk, you need to give up or, well, you're going to run out of air. So it's one or the other. And so what do we do? We run out of air. This is – I don't understand this. We all – next thing you know, everyone is passed out. Kirk decides to spend his last minute of air uh, doing one of his captain log updates. You got to do that. You got to? Oh, yeah. As you're dying? As you well, if you, don't have any, if, you, if you don't have anything else you can do – you have to leave a record for the other people that may come behind you. Yeah, but he's also giving out commendations to people. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, look, he's also probably a little demented, but I think all of that's fine. Well, I, I think, he, you know, I don't know. Someone should have been trying to fix something or look up something. It's, uh, I think at this point, internet. he feels like it's too late. They, you know, they're all dying. It's clearly too you late. Know. It's clearly too late because everybody else has passed out. He's the last one. Right. He's right. the last one. So now what we're going to do is we're going to take all of our main people, minus Kirk, and put them in the meeting room. And now Khan is running the show. He's there. Now Khan's running the meeting. Yes, Khan is now running the meeting. He's got a bunch of dudes in red jumpsuits hanging out with him. And he lets them know, hey, listen, there's good news for you. There's good news for all of you. You all have a chance to join me in ruling the universe. Because you know I'm going to rule the universe. So you might as well join me because this way you could – basically what I need is a couple of good people – to let me know exactly what's going on in the 23rd century because I'm not up to date on everything and I don't like reading the internet too much. Uh, now, as added incentive, here's what I'll do. Well, actually, before we get to the added incentive, <laughs> we cannot gloss over this moment because we need the, the, we need the monitor. Oh, yeah. We need the monitor turned on in the meeting room. And Uhura is asked to do it, and she refuses and gets a super smack by one of the red jumpsuit goons. Yeah, what did you think of that? Oh, it was harsh. It was a harsh and shocking moment. <gasps> How dare they? Yeah, that, it, was, it was all of that. It was all of what they wanted to get out of that moment. They got out of that moment. That moment worked. And it was, yeah. about, to, it was about to happen again, but MacGyver steps in from... Uh, letting that happen uh, anymore which that well, he actually he actually swings twice at her and then he's going to do it a third time i think wait he that, that he hits her twice yeah i think so i think he hits her once and then there's two other times that he's about to hit her oh okay yeah Could so be. he's he's gonna hit her a second time and macgyver stops her and i'm trying to think there is one other time that that guy's gonna hit her i believe that's the thing oh man but it's 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 pretty unpleasant to see Uhura get the smack in the face. Uh, yeah, and I don't know how carefully or if you went back and watched that scene again, but you could see like even Spock wants to get up, but no one can do anything because they have phasers pointed at them. But yeah, nobody likes it. And in fact, I kind of think that this is the point where he con con screws up. You know, he he pushed it too far, and now now what's MacGyver going to do? Uh, MacGyver's, well, first of all, she's going to turn on the screen so we can see what's going on, so we can see behind what's behind door number one, and it's Kirk in the, uh, in a classic, uh, villain contraption, you know, he's, he's in, he's in, you know, whatever Batman and Robin would be in, in an episode of Batman before we were going to, uh, go to, go to, uh, uh, go to the end of the episode where we're continued, you know, he's stuck in a chamber. Yes. He's stuck in a chamber. There's air running out. And all of you people, you could save him. Khan lets them know you could save him if you decide to join me and help me run the universe, which, by the way, who doesn't want to run the universe? Come on. Uh, Right. But now the reason that he's doing this is because he realizes now that all that that the collective suffering that they did together is – has created heroic camaraderie amongst them. This is what he says to them. Yes. Again, more good writing. 
This is an interesting. It's an interesting theory that that he throws out there. But of course, according, yeah. I, I'm sure in his mind, it's not theory. It's fact. Like he knows this. This is what he knows yeah. based on all of his right. experiences. Okay. Well, you know, not and this isn't the same exact thing, but in about so this episode airs in '67. And it's, it's it's like 72 or 74 or something like that where there's going to be an incident that actually happens in um, Stockholm, Sweden, where uh, a bunch of uh, people were held uh, captive by bank robbers in a bank or someplace like that uh, over the course of a few days. And um, they were not treated well, but yet they all came out um, trying to defend the bad guys because the bad guys did feed them and things like that during their awful stay. And that's when psychiatrists come up with the term Stockholm syndrome. And this is sort of – to me, this is sort of similar. It's sort of along those lines where people that are suffering together you know, develop this same you know, uh, this similarity of, of emotional – you know, connection in some way. It's not the same thing. I'm not saying that, but okay. it is kind of interesting that the that 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 this you know uh, study of the human mind is developing at this at this point in real history, and and here it is coming up in this episode. Okay, so the screen ends up not staying on, and they're not getting it back. Khan says, well, it doesn't matter because Kirk's going to be dead by now anyway. He, he's got to run out of air by now. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, it's not I, air. It's pressure. Oh, is it? Okay. It's pressure. I'm sorry. And also, I do apologize because I've skipped an important plot point is that when this, ter- when this pops on the screen, MacGyver's asked to leave the room. She oh, can't- yeah. You have to mention that. Yeah. Very important. You don't need me for this. Yeah. She. <laughs> Yeah, I don't need to watch this, right? I, you know, you could do all your little terrible torture things. I'm just gonna be in. I'm gonna be in the waiting room, okay? Khan says, "Yeah, okay, you could go. That's no problem." By the way, disappointed in you, Khan. There's no reason I must watch this, is there? But I hoped you would be stronger. Very disappointed, yeah. <laughs> loser. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> He's got but like the big, the big L on his forehead, uh, <laughs> watching her walk out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, some people just can't hang. All right, so MacGyver's leaves the room. Then the screen goes out, and now they want the screen back on. And this is where the guys uh, 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 attempts to swing at Uhura again. But Khan stops him and oh, says, yeah. don't bother. It, it doesn't matter. We don't need the screen because Kirk's got to be dead by now. Boy, but it's funny how that guy can't wait to jump over there and to smack Uhura again. Oh, huh? yeah. He's all in for it. Yes. Oh, man. He's, uh, the first thing he's like, he's dying for the opportunity. Yes. I'm sure in his mind, man, I haven't smacked a broad in 250 years. I'm sure that's what's going through uh, the, the advanced genetic mind of, uh, of that guy. Good Lord. Uh, quick question here. Do you think that um, this is an indication of how Khan's uh, people here are are seeing uh, females in general? Or do you think it's that could have happened to a man, too? A man would have been treated the same way. It's, it doesn't matter whether or not Uhura is a woman or not. It's, you know, you're, I need you to do this thing for me and I'll smack you around until I get it done. Or is it because she's a woman? 
Oh, or does a being a woman play into it? Uh, yes, I think being a woman plays into it. I, I think it's column A and it's column B because they look at all of them as inferior. But I am sure yeah. that they are looking at the women as even more inferior. Right, right. I kind of thought it was ballsy um, uh, for them at, the, at the, this time in history to be showing something like that. That's pretty graphic, I think. Uh, it, it's definitely unpleasant. It's definitely yeah. unpleasant. So anyway yeah. – uh, Maga, uh, Khan instructs him, okay, instructs the, we, we need somebody else to go into the torture chamber. Please send in our next contestant, Mr. Spock. So now Spock is going to go in. But before that happens, cut to MacGyver's knocking out the guard that's standing in, you know, that, that's working the pressure chamber. She uses a shot that, I don't know, she stole from Dr. McCoy or wherever it is that she got it. Doesn't matter. And Let's Kirk out. Okay. Now, let's try to... Now we've got some hope here. So here comes Kirk. I'm sorry. Here comes Spock being led by uh, another red jumpsuit fella. Another... I don't even know. What do we call... Is there a name for Khan's minions? Do, does he have, do they have names? I don't know. Are, are you they a, do have names. Um, in fact, he said some of them when they first... Uh, when he first woke them up he said hey Otto it's been great to see you and but in terms of what they're called uh they're yeah. just the eugenics people oh I mean I guess I mean because they are that's a result of the eugenics wars oh okay right all right so let's go so right. I don't know I'm okay they're with the that. eugenics people I guess all right so here comes Spock led by a member of the eugenics army and Kirk decides <laughs> I don't know why Kirk just doesn't shoot him with the phaser he's got a phaser in his hand but instead he I don't know maybe the guy was a little too close and so the two of them struggle for a second, but you know what's going to happen here because Spock's in the room. It's the old FSNP, baby. Yep. The old FSNP yep. that, that, that does the trick. Spock immediately, you know, puts his fingers on uh, on that guy's neck and that's it. it all, it's all over. That guy is out. Okay. Now we've the got... famous Spock nerve pinch once again. All right, so now we've got Kirk and we've got Spock out and they've got phasers. Let's take the ship back, baby. Let's go. And so, well, like, they take the ship back, uh, you know, basically electronically. Now we can release that uh, that gas that we've been talking about before, our intruder defense. And it comes into the conference room. And sure enough, it works on everybody except gone a little too fast for him. Sneaks out, gets out of the room in time. But sure enough, but that gas works like a charm. Everybody drops when that stuff is released. Why does the one the one guy, he's the navigator, why does he run back to the table? Did you notice that? Yeah, I noticed that he ran. He's about to run out the door, and then he's like, you know what? I'd rather land here on the table instead. You're right. You're <laughs> right, because when he's going back in, I'm thinking he's going to hit an alarm or he's going to do something. And no, he just passes out on the table. Right and and um and Scotty, did you see what Scotty did? Scotty punches a guy. And yes, he does, and he runs out. And he runs out, but he's taken in some gas, so he's yeah, you know, not not fully. Uh, he's not a hundred percent yet, but yes, uh, that was that was great stuff. To, all, all that stuff is great, although the navigator, yeah. who's not Sulu, I don't know what the hell he's doing. I don't understand that guy. Yeah. Okay, here's what we can determine. Is that uh, gas was everywhere except in the engineering room? We can't find Khan. He's got to be in the engineering room. Yep. And Kirk is the first one there. 
So Kirk runs in, looking to confront him, but Khan is waiting for him, takes his phaser, and then does the old does the old Superman trick. He bends it with his hands. It is the Superman trick, you're right. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Let me show you how useless this is against me. <laughs> I think Fonzie used to do that too in Happy Days. <laughs> Stop. Right? That's when he would that's when he would like bang on the jukebox or something, and then that would scare all the other the other tough guys. Uh, we don't have to go there, do we? Okay. Uh, Sorry. Especially after shark jumping, I think. Uh, that seemed that uh, probably happened yeah. even more. All right, so let's see. Uh, yeah, he bends the phaser, and he lets Kirk know. Oh, by the way, I gone ahead and I, I found this thing over here that's gonna oh, that, that uh, overloads the spaceship. It overloads the Enterprise, and it's gonna explode in a few minutes. So, how about that? If I understood your manuals, that's an overloading progress. Your ship flares up like an exploding sun within minutes. So now, Why do you want to do that? Uh, you know, I mean, why do you want to die? He is. Decide- why don't you just let him capture you? <laughs> you know, right? You would think, go ahead, capture me. I'll escape at another time. But right, right. Maybe he feels as though that they'll. I don't know. He must feel that it's that he won't get a chance to escape. So let me just screw everybody over. Either that, or he's just hoping that Kirk will back down. You know, maybe he, maybe this is another another game. This, you know what, you, you know, I'm gonna go with you, what your theory is. That's gotta be yeah. it. That's gotta be it. But Kirk's yeah. not having that. We're not gonna have a conversation. It's time for some mono a mono action, is what it is. And so the two of them have a very entertaining <laughs> fight, in which yes. uh, Khan throws well, him around a few times, and uh, Kirk does a few little moves to to you know he uses uh, he uses his you know leverage and things like that you know he he grabs him with his legs and he's able to like throw him a little bit you know some clever things on kirk's part but yeah there's some there's some people that call this kirk foo uh i will i will man that's fantastic (laughs) isn't it (laughs) kirk foo (laughs) it's totally kirk foo because it's very unconventional he jumps on top of that fence that's on the uh, uh, yes. that, and and waits for Khan, and then that's where he wraps the legs around him. Because I'm thinking, like, what is he going to do from there? Like, what, what is yeah. this? What is the point of this move? I I don't know if the leg wrapping was the point, but if it was, it it works for a second. He's able to yes. throw him to the ground for a second. Eventually, Khan lets him know. Listen, I'm five times stronger than you. You're wasting your time. I'm just going to beat your ass. This is now, throughout any of this that you're watching, Danny, yeah. have you noticed that it's not Shatner and Ricardo Montalban only playing this scene? Uh, I have definitely noticed that it is not Shatner. Um, Montalban, <laughs> I, I think, was facing – his back was facing me enough so that I didn't notice. But He's a guy oh. I'm a little less sure about, but boy, that guy don't look like Shatner. <laughs> Oh no! Absolutely not. Yeah, the guy who does not even the, a little bit. The guy who does the really cool move that that throws Khan to the ground with the leg wrap. Yeah, that no, clearly not Shatner. And I oh, am. Yeah. What's really surprising about this is that the way they film it, they let that stunt man get up and face the camera. Yeah, and so I'll tell you what I think about that. I think it's the beauty of of HD TV. I bet. That was not seen back then. I bet that you know that could pass, but 
these days every little imperfection is being seen. Oh yeah, it's kind of hard to believe. I know because you're exactly right. He's facing the camera. Another thing to think about too is the size of TVs back then. You know, what are they? 10, 12 inches, something like that. I guess. I mean, you probably don't have any bigger than uh, twenty four. I don't know. That's twenty four is probably like a really big one, and you yeah. know, you 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 live in a family that you know has money, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and it's probably not you know. It, Color TVs, color is new, and I think the big TVs were those really big ones that sat on the floor, so you didn't always oh, yeah, have the yeah. best angle. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. That's, they're really counting on a lot of things to, you know, to hide some of the imperfections here because you're a hundred percent right, man. How do you shoot this guy or, or keep in a shot of the guy's face staring at the camera? Yeah, because that's clearly not sadder. Yeah, after he throws him. With the legs and they're both on the ground, he gets up and he kind of gets into a fighting stance and he's facing yep. us. It's now it's yep. def, it's a little bit of a distance because both guys are in the shot and you can see them, you know, the, the the extent of both of their bodies. But I'm looking at that guy like, yo, man, that's so not him. <laughs> because <laughs> because whereas I was like, wait, did Shatner really do that? <laughs> that's the thing that also plays into my head. It's like, whoa, wait a minute, did oh wait, oh. no, wait, no, he didn't. <laughs> I know he didn't. He, he clearly did it because there's somebody else that, that's in this scene right now. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> Kirk, upon realizing, hey, you know what? Khan's right. He is five times stronger than me. I, I can't beat him with my fists, so I know what I'll do. I'll beat him with this piece of the ship that comes apart. He just, he just takes he takes out what, what is essentially like a club that they have hidden in the ship. And just starts pounding Khan with it. And it's great. He beats him that way. Yeah, he, yeah. he beats him into beats him submission. Down. Yep. He does. He does. All right. So now, now what are we going to do? Because we've got uh, 72 supermen, one of them being Khan, a tyrant. A, a leg- not just a guy that we – boy, that guy is a tyrant. Like a real tyrant who wants to, ru- <laughs> who wants to rule right. the world. What do we want to do? What are we going to do with this guy? Kirk decides yeah. that putting him in a reorientation center is a waste, and I will say it's probably a waste of time. I don't think you're reorienting like th- that guy. There's no changing that guy unless you're, you're doing a lobotomy. Like that guy, the die is so cast on Khan. You're, you're not going to be able to change him into some regular part of society in which he's going to get a job and you know could you imagine Khan just going to work at a nine to five that's not gonna happen he's not gonna be some you know I don't know like I don't know what you would do with him now granted I I know what I wouldn't do with him and this is what I would not do is what Kirk decides to do here's what we'll do we're going to find some planet that's basically empty, and we're going to send you and all of your minions. You're all going to go there, and you can rule over there. You could do whatever you want over there. We're just going to leave you. We're just going to drop you off and leave you here. Let's see what happens to you. Uh, MacGyver's now she has an option. She could either go with him or face a court martial. And she decides that since she's in love with him anyway, that, that she'll go and take her chances on uh, whatever this planet is that is apparently a little unpleasant, a little overgrown. And maybe there's animals and lots of vegetation, but it doesn't seem like there's a holiday in there waiting for anybody. <sighs> so she decides, yeah, you know what? I'm going. Correct, Captain. 
planet number five there is habitable, although a bit savage, somewhat inhospitable. But no more than Australia's Botany Bay colony was at the beginning. Those men went on to tame a continent, Mr. Khan. Can you tame a world? Joey, this is a terrible idea. Is it not? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, we know what's going to come, but at this point, mm-hmm. uh, it's one of the weaknesses, I guess, of, of Kirk's compassionate side is that he will err too much on the side of compassion. And, you know, it is a big problem. What do you do with these people? But I think you have to create some sort of jail for them. I think you just do. Yeah, I think so, too. I think they need yeah. you need to take them. And I don't know, maybe can, can you put them in, in that album cover that they put the, the bad guys from, from Superman? <laughs> Superman too. Yeah. And just yes, toss them yes. into space. Can they do that? Because. You, need you to do can, s- but that doesn't work either. Yeah, <laughs> or else there wouldn't be a Superman two. That's right. Don't break. Make sure nobody, <laughs> make sure nobody breaks that record. Uh, right. <laughs> so strange. Now, yeah, I'm so with you. You need to find a super jail and put these people in it. And and, and well, because look, right now they do have them held captive. Yes. So it's not like you can't keep them under control. You just have to be incredibly careful. Yes. But you can do it. They can be controlled. Yes. Um. I don't see another alternative unless and, who, you know, maybe you're, you're keeping them um, held captive like that until science can come up with some sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, I, I'm trying, I'm struggling for the word. I want to say medical alternative, but I'm, I'm taught some sort of drug that would sort of counteract the tendency to want to capture and enslave and rape and pillage you know, I, I, I don't know if there is such a thing on the horizon or not but this is the 200 years in the future so I don't, uh, I don't know basically can we just get some Ritalin can we just do that so everybody yeah gets... I don't think Ritalin's gonna work here buddy Calm I don't think so down? Uh, I right. think uh, I think the superior intellect laughs at Ritalin I, I will tell you this is a terrible idea just just, just to let him go uh, okay, granted, we're going to put him in a place that we think he's not going to do any harm. But I'm looking at him like, you know what? Uh, this guy can definitely eventually do some harm. All right. All right. That's well, fine. That's going to be a discussion in a few minutes. Yeah, I suppose it is. Uh, we will finish up here with the conversation that Kirk and Spock have in which, you know. Yeah. Which Spock is starts to wonder about this. He says, you know. What, what yep. is going to happen in a hundred years? What will happen to that planet with the space seed that you've planted? It would be interesting, Captain, to return to that world in a hundred years and learn what crop had sprung from the seed you planted today. Yes, Mr. Spock. It would indeed. Now, now, now the title starts to make sense. Yeah. Yeah, there's also the uh, the piece about Milton. There is the piece about Milton that is brought up in which we, we learn, because Scotty's not up on his Milton, which, by the way, neither am I. And uh, Yeah, but, you know, in keeping with the, the Scotty theme here for a minute, as much as we like Scotty, yeah. was he ever useful in this episode? No, right? I, it's, it, from his first no. scene to his last, you know, he's, he's kind of useless. And well, he's so, you know, he's the one that says, beats me. <laughs> 
you don't say beats me what's happening. You're the expert here. You're right. Usually his <laughs> right? usefulness is that at least he's, he beamed everybody over to the ship, but he didn't even do that. Somebody else did no. it because he, right. he went. You're right. Right. He, right. He's also he was also taken over in the engine room. You yes. Know, he, he gets smacked around by Khan. <laughs> he does. And then here we are again. He's uh, uh, sorry, Captain. Uh, who is this Milton guy? <laughs> sorry, Captain. I'm not up on my Milton. Yes. Yeah, couldn't have just been somebody else so that he doesn't look like such a dope in this episode. <laughs> I love Scotty, but couldn't they have given that line to anybody else? Uhura could have used that line, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it would have been good to give her something else to do other than get smacked around in this one. Uh, right. Yeah, our, our our Milton quote, as we learn, is that it is better to rule in hell than to serve in heaven. And there you go. All right, so there you have it. That space seed. What, what have you got to, to share with me on this one, Joey? Oh, you know, I've got a boatload of stuff here. So what do I start with? Okay, so Space Seed has been named one of the best episodes of the series by Cinefantastique, IGN, and other publications. Space Seed was awarded the Golden Reel for sound editing on TV by the Motion Picture Sound Editor Society. They wound up having to go to the Air Force Academy to get some of the sounds that they used in this episode. Uh, including uh, something from what's it called, War of the Worlds, that they had to. That apparently back then it was tough to be able to borrow or acquire stuff like that if you were a TV show from a, from a from a movie set, ah. even if it was an older set. Okay. But somebody had a connection and they worked it, and boom, they were able to use stuff. So very heavily lauded episode, Roddenberry. Uh, we never said the full name of Khan, but his name in this episode becomes Khan Nunyan Wang. And I don't – I know that this is going to be kind of neat and I don't have the answer that, to the question you're going to ask. I couldn't find it. I want to know myself. But apparently Roddenberry had an old Chinese friend named Nunyan Wang that he had lost touch with and he hoped that Wang would see the episode and contact him. Oh, how funny is that? But Go ahead. Ask your question. Uh, well, did, did he see the episode? Did he contact I him? I can't find any. I can't find the answer to that. So it's it's kind of it kind of sucks that that's written about, but then you, you don't know what the resolution of that was. But I, I don't know. Let's talk a little bit about the actors. We all know Ricardo Montalban. Sure. Now uh, Montalban had previously appeared in a TV movie created by Roddenberry called The Secret Weapon of One Seventeen. Oh no, kidding! Okay, so there's a little bit of history there with uh, with those two guys. It's also been referred to as the secret defense of 117, and I think uh, somebody claims that on IMDb, I think Herb Solo or Rob Justman, one of them, they say that IMDb has the, has the name wrong. Oh. Um, but I don't know anything else about it. So, But I can tell you that uh, Montalban loved this role. He called it, quote, unquote, wonderful and said that it was well written. It had an interesting concept, and I was delighted it was offered to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that the main cast, they loved working with him. They're very enthusiastic about working with, with Montalban. Oh, no kidding. Very D. Cool. Kelly. Mm-hmm. Yep. D. Kelly later said, I enjoyed working with with Ricardo the best. I was privileged. He's a marvelous actor. So everybody loved having him around. He was a well-known actor. He had already done some interesting things in his career. He, I think he started acting like in the 30s or something like that. Does that oh, make sense? I, Yeah, at least the 30s, maybe the 40s. But yeah, he definitely goes back that far. You could find him. Yeah. Yeah. So people people knew him. And when they got him, they were all excited about, about having him around. And if they didn't know him, 
Um, well, once they got to know him, they they did like him. And of course, uh, there's a backstory to that uh, with Roddenberry that also includes Madeline Rue, who is your favorite character, Lieutenant Marla MacGyvers. Ah, okay. So it turns out that uh, Madeline Rue got the part because uh, Joe D'Agusto, I think is his name is. He's the guy that does all the casting for like all the great TV shows of the 60s. Like he's the one that um, I think basically casted everybody on the Brady Bunch and things like that. Not to say that that's a great show, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm like, could you give me a better example, please? <laughs> I'm saying he was very busy in casting people. I see. I see. He had lots of – all right, fine. Yes. And so he later admitted that if he had known this um, about Madeline Rue, he would not have casted her for this part, oh. for this role. Oh. Yes. So apparently in 1960, she had previously worked with Ricardo Montalban in an episode of Bonanza and played his on-screen wife. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so Bonanza lasted a pretty long time, right? Uh, yeah, a long time. That's correct. Right, right. So uh, apparently it was a very popular show. Yes, it and was. It was also a show that Star Trek was trying to be as different from as possible. And um, and so because it was such a popular show, people and because Ricardo Montalban is a pretty memorable character, they he felt in in retrospect, if he had realized that, that that would have been a mistake, that people would have had that episode in their in their minds when they saw her. Yeah, they so, would. Yeah, I totally see that. Oh, OK. Well, she's going to end up with him. Once you see her and then you see right. him, I know where this is going. Yeah, okay. right. Right, but nonetheless, she gets in there. I think that she 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 does the job that she's supposed to do. Um, she's fine, and it also turns out that Madeline Rue and Ricardo Montalban have yet another connection to Gene Roddenberry, which is where a lot of these actors, the including the people that are on the the, the main characters and the guest stars, they always seem to come back to what show, Danny? The Lieutenant. Correct. They also appeared in episodes of Lieutenant – separate episodes. Oh, OK. All right. Separate episodes, but still. OK. Very right. cool. Matalban and Rue um, appear in an episode of Fantasy Island in 1982. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> which is also the same year of what? Of Wrath of Khan. Yeah. No kind of, kidding. Kind of so she ends up on – wow. Wait a minute. Do we know what her fantasy yeah. was? I don't know, and I hope to be able to uncover that without too much effort. I, I don't think it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to take a wild guess and just uh, just throw it out there that whatever her fantasy is, I'm going to guess it didn't go well. I think it never did. Is that is that how I remember it? <laughs> yes, it never went well. That's correct. It yeah. never went well. Well, it goes it goes well up until about ten thirty, right? Didn't the show start at ten? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then then you at found 10:30, out at ten thirty, it starts to turn. Yes, you start finding out that be careful what you wish for. You just yes. may get it. It's that every freaking yes. episode. Yes. Every single one. Holy You're just waiting to see, you know, where's the first sign that this is going to go wrong. You could hypothesize that this is where they said Khan and this is what he did with that planet. He turned it into some bizarre resort that's secretly, you know, oh, yeah. that's, that's secretly hell for everybody. They come up yeah. and then he gets to torture them a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> So Fantasy Island is City Alpha 6. <laughs> sure, exactly. Okay, I see. Yeah. I see, I'm just making sure. Oh, the uh, the transporter technician, you didn't really talk about this, but just before, well, when they beam back aboard the Botany Bay, he, uh, when Khan and uh, MacGyver's do, 
she's already in the transporter room mm-hmm. and she has the transporter technician being held back by a phaser. Oh, that's And then right. when Kai gets down there, he hits him on the uh, on his neck and he knocks him out. Yes. Okay, that guy's interesting only because he's in a number of episodes, and I want you to be able to recognize people like that. He he rarely has lines, but he's in a lot of the he's in a lot of the shows, and he will have some lines. And uh, his name is John Winston, and in this episode, he's he's Lieutenant Kyle. He's always Lieutenant Kyle, but he's basically the, the transporter technician. Oh, I love that that he's Lieutenant Kyle. He's the same character every time. He, he's yeah. he's kind of is he kind of like Gunther on Friends? He's just kind of there. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. That's a good one. That's a good comparison. Yeah. Okay, so um, here's a little bit of stuff, uh, the story behind the story. So they had some issues, as they often did. And when we get to the point where you're going to tell me, okay, I get it, um, I'll stop telling you these kinds of stories. But they are interesting, also disappointing about Gene. But once again, um, he didn't like the way this, the or they didn't like the way the the story was originally written. Wait, who's they? So, who's they? Uh, when I say they, I mean Star Trek. They did not like, oh, so they okay. hire the writer. Okay. They say, go ahead. You, you, here's here's Star Trek. Oh, wait they a show minute. him the they oh, show him the right the pilot. This is Star Trek, and then they give him like maybe some sort of a loose leaf binder or something yeah. that explains who all the characters are. All because right. at this point, we're still in the first season. None of the episodes have ever aired. So you're just going by whatever Gene tells you and what you think you see in the pilot. All That's right. all you got. All right. So, so wait, wait, wait. You're, you're going to tell me they didn't yeah. like it and then Roddenberry rewrote it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, in, in uh, Roddenberry's defense. Yeah. It needed to be re- rewritten. There were some problems with it. All right. But well, the issue is I think it's more about the fact that he tries to take the credit for writing it, which is so oh. – that's like the lifeblood of these writers. Yeah. You know? So he won't let him have the writing credit, which means A, he won't have to pay him and B, you know, you need those credits to stay in the guild you know, to get your pension, to get the benefits, <sighs> yeah, to get whatever it is that you need to get. Not a good story. These are not good stories for Roddenberry. I know. I know. He I can't, know. And I, he can't put – I'm doing this. He can't play Gene Roddenberry and whoever else, whoever the writer is. He can't do co-credits or or story by and then written well, by. Well, they did. Yeah. Okay. Well, what? they did. All they right. did. But that's only because uh, the Writers Guild of America turned Roddenberry down. So he attempted to claim the primary writing credit for Space Seed. And then the Writers Guild of America looked it all over and said, no, you cannot take that credit. So if you look at the end panels on this episode, it says teleplay by Gene L. Kuhn and Kerry Wilbur. And then it says story by Kerry Wilbur. So Roddenberry doesn't even get credit on this one. Uh, I don't think he does. Okay. Uh, Okay. I don't I don't see it in these end panels here. But I'll I'll give you some examples of things that were that were problem that were problematic. Um, so at one point, Gene Kuhn, who is the producer of this episode, and always remember that there's two guys behind right there that are directly underneath, underneath Gene. And it's Gene Kuhn. So it's two genes. It's Gene Kuhn. Yep. And then there's Bob Justin. Those guys, they're the shit. They're, okay. they, you know, they're as responsible for Star Trek as just about anybody could be. Okay. So Gene Kuhn uh, writes uh, – I'm sorry, uh, Justin uh, writes a letter to Gene Kuhn. And this is a quote from that. He says, when are we going to get back to the original idea of Star Trek, which is essentially a series about people in dramatic situations and conflicts? When are we going to do another Charlie X? When are we going to do another Naked Time? Yes, the basic story idea 
here is extremely fascinating. It is also very much science fiction. It is very much astounding science fiction. It is at times very Buck Rogerish, very much akin to Flash Gordon at times. We need people stories. And then he signs his uh, he signs the memo Ming the Merciless. <laughs> wow. All right. I love that guy now. Yes. Yes, yes. So then you love Bob Justman. That's great. Um, so, but the problem with this script was when he first wrote it, whether or not uh, this is not an indictment, I'm not passing judgment on Kerry Wilbur's uh, ability to write an episode of Star Trek, but what he did turn in was a script that they looked at and said, how the hell could we afford this? This is, you know, it's, you know, it's a, it's a little bit too fantasy. Like mm-hmm. we can't, we don't have the budget for this. We've got the most expensive budget in the history of television. Yes. There's no way we can do this. And if you think about it, what this episode is, Danny, it's a bottle episode, right? It is. Isn't it? Well, we're only on the ship, but I mean, we go to another ship and that's a well, different set. Basically. Yeah, I know. But you know, as far as you're concerned and I'm concerned, it looks like another ship, but you know, it, it could have. It's just another room that that you know that they 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 moved furniture around. Well, that's they didn't true. build a planet set. That's that's true. There there is no other really dramatic uh, different set. I mean, we are in different right. rooms. I mean, I wouldn't. I would not have thought of it as a bottle episode, but I it's could. Definitely I, a bottle. You episode. can make the case. Absolutely. Yeah, we're only on the bridge. We're only in a, a couple of different rooms. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Sure. It's it's a bottle episode because they don't go on a planet. And so in terms of Star Trek, mm-hmm. that's always going to be the case. If they don't go on a planet, it's going to be a bottle episode. They probably and, and Right. And so they wound up spending a ton of money and they blew their budget on building the Botany Bay Mini. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's what that's what really put them behind. Uh, you know, uh, I, I tell you, the so I, I wish that I could see – I maybe I could probably do it on on YouTube, but I I like to go and look at the original effects that they had for these things because I know I'm I know watching, I want to find it too. Yeah, I'm watching it on Netflix and it's the enhanced version and it's cool. It, it looks is, cool. It is. It's a cool. It, it looks cool, but I I love the original versions of things. I I have I have an appreciation for them. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to go and 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 look for that. And in fact, I'm typing it on my notes to go check that out if you find it definitely let me know i don't think that those exist on youtube anymore but um, ah, okay you know. all right yeah um here's a here's another memo um from um, or maybe it's just another page from uh, from justman's uh, memo he says uh, what i want you to get from this is it's not just necessarily there was problems with the script but also how much did these guys care about the attention to detail so He writes, gee whiz, fellas, I suppose I could go on forever giving you instance after instance of bad dialogue or unbelievable situations in this script. So therefore, I will hit the rest of them as fast as I can in the few minutes remaining to me before I run out of energy. Please don't let Kirk and Erickson fight with phaser guns on pages 60 and 61. They will not only rip the ship to shreds, but they will rip the budget to shreds. (laughs) Wow. Who is Erickson? He must have been, you know, a, a person that appeared earlier that they later wrote out. I guess so. You know, maybe, he, is, maybe he was a con number two. Maybe he was his second in command or something. Uh, it could be. Um, That's too there's bad. There's another moment here where Roddenberry get, starts getting his fingers into the script. 
and he tells Gene Kuhn, Marla, Marla MacGyvers, is so sophomoric, I doubt if any of us could stand her even today, except possibly as an extremely shapely, immoral actress, of which, unfortunately, due to gross negligence on the part of the casting department, we get too few of on this series. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like classic 1960s guy. Holy cow. Yeah. That's hilarious. I also liked how the uh, the other... <laughs> Letter began with G Wiz. I, I like that. I know. Yeah, I know. Fantastic. It's kind of funny, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got something else about MacGyver's that I thought was really cool. Where is it? Okay, so um, they cut out a scene that I think would have really helped the show. I don't think they needed it, but it would have helped it a little bit more. So you know how. Everybody's annoyed. You're annoyed. I'm annoyed. And uh, the people behind Star Trek are annoyed at, at MacGyver's weakness as a, as a character and how, oh, yeah. how easily she swoons over over Khan. Right. Yes. Um, but it's also, it, you know, I think I think everybody does a good enough job that it's believable that it's still annoying. Uh, but there is a scene that they cut out that would have made it even a little bit more believable. It's still annoying. But uh, there's a moment where she's interacting with another crew member named uh, Angela Martine, who had been played by uh, Barbara Baldwin. Oh, OK. We're going to see Barbara Baldwin in other episodes of Star Trek, actually. So Angela Martine. And she tells – Martine tells MacGyver's of her crewman interested in asking her out. So this sounds like one of those kinds of scenes that you like that are sort of like a little off color, a little, little different. Oh, right? yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The, right? The, the lives of, of the crewmen. What's just yeah. going on? Yes. Yes, right. And so MacGyver's is not interested in any man who doesn't have the spine to do the asking himself. Ah. Later, yeah, so later this insight to MacGyver's character helps us to understand her immediate attraction to a man such as Khan. Due to time constraints, however, this very worthwhile scene was left on the editing room floor. Oh, that, that is would have been kind of neat, huh? Yeah, no, a little bit of character building for, uh, for MacGyver's. Yeah. That definitely would have uh, been helpful. Absolutely. Right. Although right. she is in love with him. Uh, even while he's a popsicle, he's still yeah. frozen, and she's in love with him right. immediately. That's true. I think, but well, it still tells. It's, I mean, it still like builds the helps better build the narrative. Well, yes, true, because she's really she's in love with the idea of him, and then yes. it becomes fully realized once he starts walking around and behaving, probably even more than she anticipated, more than she bargained for. You know, she was figuring, oh my god, this is going to be like a real amazing man and this man yep. from the past and then he comes out and he's <laughs> basically telling her this is what's this is how it's going to be and you know either you're in or you're out this is what it's like lady you're on board and you know she can't help herself so yeah, everything was that fine good. And, and she and that still worked until he until he let uhura get smacked well, th then all of a sudden, sisterhood's got to kick in at some point. <laughs> right. I mean, let's be realistic. Right, here. right. All right. So, and so I think that's um, I think that's pretty much it. You get a lot of Scotty this episode. That's really good. Yes. Um, I think it could have, you know, like I said, some of that stuff <laughs> could have been, been a little bit more useful. Maybe could, could a little bit. Yeah, there could have been a little bit better Scotty. But yes, we a did little get bit better Scotty. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, you get fully formed uh, Spock here, who uh, we haven't seen yet. Okay. All right. So let me ask you though, what, where is where's Sulu? Sulu is his his record is so spotty. His attendance record. Do we do well, we have an idea? Is it just that uh, they're not they they weren't sold on him for every episode at this point? 
I think the way that it works is that you, you know, when you get hired, when you're not one of the stars, yeah. he's not one of the stars, yeah. is you get paid, you know, per episode. So, you know, you get, you get appearance fees, so to speak. So you're contracted to get maybe at least, you know, I don't know, 15 episodes a season and they'll work you in here and there. And I guess they didn't work them in. Maybe there was a conflict and I don't know about it. That also is possible. He is a working actor. So um, I know that that's going to become a bigger story and a much more interesting one to talk to you about at the beginning of season two, ah, specifically okay. with him and his his work conflicts. But uh, yeah, I think you're you're putting too much stock into it. You know, they just the writer didn't write him in. You know, and in fact, they you know what they probably did? They probably looked at it like, okay, if we hire Sulu for this episode, he's gonna we're gonna have to pay him X amount of dollars. To do nothing because he doesn't because the guy that fills his role doesn't say a word. I think yeah, no. Right? The, well, the, the only thing that he does of significance is run back and and faint right. onto the table, which is really stupid. So sure, it's very stupid, right? So if you're go so if you're going to if you if that's all that you're going to pay the actor to do, then bring in somebody that's that's going to do it basically for free. You know the budget's really tight. Why you know if you have to pay Sulu. Uh, uh, George Takei, if you, if you have to pay him $1,200 for that, that's $1,200 that, you know, you, you could be trying to keep your budget down and you're you're running behind on the budget, not just for this episode, but there's a running total that is starting to really pile up. There's a deficit. I think by the end of this episode, they were they were behind on the budget by like seventy dollars or $80,000. So, you know, you start – so those are some factors that play into it. It okay. really isn't anything about nobody nobody likes decay or, or, or something like that. I think it's just all of that. It's, in the end is do I want to spend $1,200 on this person when Dan Delgado will do it for 50 And I sure will. <laughs> you got that right, buddy. Wait. Wait. You want me to, to, to faint pointlessly on this table? You got it. You watched. <laughs> Where's that fifty? Is it is it green money? Is yeah. it cash money? Yeah, can you can you can you pay in cash? By the way, give me the ratings. Not good. No, Not so good. No, I know, right? Uh, generally, pretty good. I'm shocked. Surprisingly good. But for some reason, not so good. Um, so remember that they that uh, Star Trek airs uh, at, at a weird time by today's standards for uh, a one hour show. It start it airs at eight thirty. And um, the ratings, the way they did them back then, they do it by the half hour. So they fall behind Bewitched, finished in second place in the first half hour. And in the second half hour, they're in third place of the three major networks. And there is a movie that they're up against. There's always, it's, I think it's called the Thursday Night Movie. And so that's always a big problem for them because it's always some big deal movie. This one I don't know, but I think you do. I think you, you know a lot about it. It's called One-Eyed Jacks. Oh, that's with Marlon Brando. That's a Western with yep. Marlon Brando. Yes, that's correct. Right. Oh, wow. So they were showing uh, like it was the movie of the week. And yeah. oh, wow, that's really interesting. That's They're really always interesting. up against the movie of the week. Always. And mm. so when they struggle in the ratings, you know, that that's an issue for them. That's good competition for them. You, you know, just going back to something that you said earlier, I was thinking about the whatever the TV movie you said Montalban was in. When you think about TV movies, I don't ever think of them existing before the 1970s i know right i wonder if but i guess they were they they must have been you know and they were making so many t by the 70s they're just making one every week you know you're always getting these tv movies I, like where did the ones from the 60s go oh, 
Where are well, they? Well, wait a minute. I I don't think that these are. I don't think One Eye Jacks is a. Is no, a, no, don't. No, no, yeah, no, no. I'm not. I'm not going to it to to that as a TV movie. I'm not referring to. Oh, that. Oh, I'm oh, going back okay. to what you were saying about Montalban being in one that Roddenberry made that Roddenberry wrote. Yes. Oh, right. Now I see what you mean. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. Something I don't know much about, but it is a it is a thing nonetheless. These things are happening. All right. All right. So anyway, We're let's, happening. let's yeah. yeah let's let's get down to to brass tacks here. Okay. Let's let's talk about how I feel about this episode, which is exactly what this entire podcast is about. My feelings regarding Star Trek. So this one's really good, Joe. This one's really good. The dialogue's Not really aware. good. I like this one a lot. I knew going into it that I was going to like this one. I was. I was, Why did you know that? I I don't know. I just had a feeling. I okay. just had a feeling. Uh, maybe because I associate it with Wrath of Khan, which I know that I like that movie because I've seen it. And I've not not really recently, but in in my head, it's like, oh yeah, I like that movie, and it's oh yeah, Khan okay. is going to be in this one, and yeah, that's right. And this one, it it does deliver. Um, I I am confounded by Kirk's decision to let him essentially let him go at the end, like I. That really does get me because it's such a bad choice. It's such a it's a terrible idea to let that guy go. He how do you know he's going to stay on that planet? Maybe he's going to trick another ship or something to pick him up and take over the the universe that way. I I, I can't get over that, but that's that's <laughs> sort of a, I guess I'll just put that in the minor complaint category. Uh, one other thing that kind of got me is that. When he's talking to McCoy, and this is the first time that he's awake, he, he says to him, um, "You know, I, I, I thought I, I thought I was imagining an English voice before someone yeah, speaking English to right. me, and he had said that I had been asleep for for two centuries." And McCoy says, "Yep, that's right." Now, what if this was you? If you're con in the situation, what is what is it, what would you ask in that situation right there? What would you ask? What would I ask if I realized that I was basically Buck Rogers? And yeah, if if you were asleep for if someone said you've been asleep for about two centuries, what would you ask? Do you have? A, can you can you think of a question? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I'd be asking a lot of questions. Okay, I think I'd be looking around confused. I yes, that's true. But I think I would say, what year is it? That's what I would say. Oh, oh, I see. I, yeah, of course you ask that. Okay, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Now I understand better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. That, like, like that's a quick what? question. I was like, wait, wait, two centuries. What year is this? Yeah, it's 2250. You know, then, you know, oh, my God. Then it would it would kick in. I don't know why he doesn't ask that question because to me that's such a, it's a simple, basic thing that I think anybody would come to immediately. They would just jump to that. I have the answer. I have the answer. Okay. Um, right. I, I believe that what I've – come across in my research is that they deliberately never wanted to give you the year they wanted that they wanted things to be vague so he's not going to ask that question even though it ought to be asked all right that's 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 fine because that's the star trek defense of that question but but, but for the actual character that you've created and the situation you've created i think you should have asked that question and there's no you can also make the argument that he does ask the question but this is an edited show and they're showing pieces of it so he did it you know when they didn't show it yeah you would have asked right away you would have you would not have waited until some other time i mean i'm sure he did editing (laughs) editing he asked 
He asked. Just well, assume that he asked. If it makes you feel any better, it does not detract mm-hmm. from any points of giving, by the way. It does not. not. It's just something I'm tossing <laughs> out there. Okay, so for you, uh, just for everybody out there, here we go. The points for this mm-hmm. one, which I locked in at the beginning of this, was 1,200. Whoa! Holy smokes! Yes, that is correct. Now I 1,200 points? How do you justify 1,200 points, Dan? Because this is one of the better ones that I've seen. And yeah, I, would, I, I would think that the better it is, the higher the points that you're going to get. That's just how it goes. That's usually how it goes. Yeah. So let's see. What, is, what does that bring our total to? Can you add 1720 and 1200? Coming up with, yeah, I come up with 72,057. <laughs> see, this is why. We, what? 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 This is exactly, Do I, is my math wrong? This is exactly why <laughs> we got to I didn't you. carry the one. That's what, Oh, maybe I did carry the one. Uh, I think you carried it about 70,000 extra times. <laughs> okay, so <I'm, laughs> we're now at we're now at twenty nine twenty though. How are we not at three thousand? Uh, Why yeah. would we be at twenty nine twenty? You know what? This is where you're at. I'm not. I'm not giving you an extra eighty points just because you're pestering me about it. You're staying at twenty nine twenty. But you sh- you you were happy when I said twelve hundred though. I know you had well, to have been happy about that. Yeah, and then and then the reality hit me went, oh gee, we're still really far away. <laughs> you are still really far away, but if, if episodes there must be better episodes than this, is this the best one? I'm gonna I think in order for us at this rate to get to the magical one hundred thousand number, I think we're all gonna have to go into a state of suspended animation and before we finally get there. Well, listen, I can only I can only do so much and twelve hundred points is exactly what I'm doing. I'll take every last one of them. All right. There we go. All right. So uh, do, do we need to do anything else before we get out of here? I think we've covered it. Um, I'll say this much. We are uh, – well, what are we doing next? Well, the next one that we're doing is, of course, Wrath of Khan. OK. We are. All right. That's right. So – and you're going to – I've already seen it in the theater, the director's cut. Yes. I have not because there was a hurricane that canceled all of the screenings where I live but they are they've been rescheduled so I will be up to speed on September 21st and right after we will be doing our podcast for for uh for Wrath of Khan. Look at it as like an, an attempting Trek special because there should only be 79 episodes of this but now we're getting another one in. Like uh Khan said a couple times in this episode. Mm-hmm. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, people, so we'll be back next week with our Wrath of Khan special. Uh, with that, take us out of here, Joey. Fans, you've got the con. <laughs>